Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah. We've been hanging up here. It's good to, uh, good to be with you all this morning. Um, it's always a joy to just gather and worship our Lord and Savior. Um, be with one another. Uh, as you know, we've said, as Gabe said, as Seth said, you know, everything we do, we gather as worship. Uh, from gathering, fellowship, from uh, the songs we sing, the praise, the time we spend in the text, sitting uh, under the authority of God's word. Uh, as I say uh, often, you know, this isn't my ideas. Um, there's things in the Bible that I don't like, right? That I, I don't like, I don't, my flesh doesn't like, I press against. Um, but uh, as a uh, Christian, Pastor, as a faithful believer of God's word, uh, I stand uh, under the authority of God's word. So this is worship as well, and so we're glad to worship together. I just want to reiterate too uh, the need for a serving. Um, we have a lot of uh, our students that have been helping in different areas. They're gone. Um, you know, if you've been here for a little while. Uh, we would ask you to just to step in and fill in some gaps. We're not asking you to, to serve every Sunday. We don't want that. That's why we want more hands, uh, because we want people to, to be able to, to rotate, uh, you know, serve once a month, once every six weeks or something would be ideal. Uh, so that way everyone can consistently um, be in service, be able to worship. Uh, man, if you're leaving a, a church, you got some church hurt, uh, you're leaving some, some friction, you're going through something, hey, we actually just rest, right? Spend some time here uh, resting. We, we're not uh, asking you to just jump right in. Uh, we want to know you first. Um, but if you've been here for a while, especially you've been here with us from uh, the beginning, we would love for you to, to jump in. Uh, my wife's actually serving uh, right now in uh, the CCF kids and our three and under um, and we just in many hands make light work right and so we would ask that everybody jumps in uh, in some way shape or form Philippians 3 12 through 16 it's our text for today Philippians 3 12 through 16 if you've been with us Tracking along, you know, we've been uh, taking a, a deep dive into Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And uh, it's been super encouraging for me personally. Uh, it's been super convicting. Uh, this is just a super practical letter that, that Paul writes. Uh, I, I felt when that it was just really applicable to our day and age, uh, the culture, our cultural uh, climate that we are dealing with, and um, it's been uh, super helpful. Today is a very, uh, just a very simple passage that really speaks very directly uh, to us. Uh, it speaks, Paul is, is speaking very uh, blunt. He's using his own personal testimony, and he's speaking uh, to these believers. And so I, I hope that each and every one of you uh, today will be encouraged, uh, will be compelled even, right? Motivated. That's the goal for today. Let's read the text. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. I'm going to read. I'm reading th from the ESV. And uh, we'll pray and then we will get into 
teaching. Philippians 3.12 reads this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray and ask God for his help. Father God, we are we're desperate. We need you, Lord. Um, words without your spirit, words without your power, uh, Lord, would be a, a lecture. Lord, that is not my goal today. That is not my hope. That is not our prayer. Lord, I ask that you work in and through the lives of each and every person in here, no matter where they stand right now, no matter where they came from, no matter what they may have brought in with them, Lord, the burdens, the sins, the heaviness, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray, God, that you would transform hearts today. That each and every person in here would leave different than we walked in. Father, I pray that you would help us all to feel the weight of this text, but quickly see the grace of our Savior. Father, what we know not, would you teach us, what we are not would you make us and what we have not would you give us by your grace for your glory in Christ's name God's people said amen. amen so if you were to pull out your phones which I'm not encouraging you to do so but if you were to pull out your phone and do a quick Google search of uh, motivational quotes by professional athletes uh, I mean your search would provide you hundreds thousands even uh, of different quotes, uh, motivational thoughts from athletes, from those who have uh, been successful in their area, in their pursuit of whatever uh, field, sport that they were in. I'll read a couple for you, some of my favorites. Uh, Muhammad Ali, right? Uh, boxer, if you don't know. Uh, probably one of the, the greatest boxers of all time. He says, I don't count my sit-ups. I only start counting once it starts hurting because they're the only ones that count, right? Go on, uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey. Uh, she was a track, a famous uh, Olympian. She said, the only person who can stop you from reaching your goals, right? Setting goals is you. Uh, Derek Jeter, famous baseball player. Uh, there may be people that have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do. John Madden, famous football. The 
road to Easy Street. I love this one, right? The road to Easy Street goes straight toward the sewer. Amen to that. No one wants to go to the sewer. Michael Jordan, the GOAT, greatest of all time. That is, uh, that's, that's not a question. It's not up for debate. Uh, greatest basketball player of all time. He says this. He says, obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. He says, figure out how to climb it. Go through it or work around it. All right, pursue, go. I could go on for hours reading quotes, but hopefully you get the point. Motivation is not a bad thing. Uh, having goals, motivation, I mean, we should all be motivated. We should all pursue something. Uh, if you're just kind of jellyfishing through life, then uh, that's a problem. Uh, the question is, what do you want in life? Like, like, what is your goal? What are you pursuing? Like, what do you want? And you can take a moment to think about that. If you're, you're taking notes, you can write that down, write that question down. What, what are you really going after in life? I mean, this is one of the biggest questions you're, you're ever going to have to answer. And in different seasons, different things may take different priorities. But, but here in our text, Paul lays out his testimonial pursuit of the one thing that consumed his motivation. I mean, he, he was consumed by this. And this is the prize that is knowing Jesus Christ. It's just the prize that the thing that consumes me, that motivates me is Christ. It's knowing Christ and Christ alone. If you remember last week, we left off with Paul's declaration of intent in verses 10 through 11, right? Where he says, Here's what I want to do, right? I'm leaving things behind that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by all, any means possible that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That was Paul's statement, right? It's right above our text after making the proclamation that, that after, remember, after consideration, Got to remember that is in the uh, let go and let God and, you know, we, we just, you know, it's mindless Christianity. No, no, he, he's carefully considering. He carefully considered that all things were rubbish, that all those things that prevented him from Christ, that he, he wanted to leave those things behind. And he says that they're rubbish, they're worthless, they're pointless. They are of no use Compared to Christ, you put Christ in everything else, Christ wins every time. And Paul's made this argument pretty clear in this letter that for him, he considers Christ the highest and truest prize. I mean, over and over, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I mean, Christ is just saturated. The, the goal, the, the pursuit of knowing Jesus is saturated. Paul's pursuit is clear. He wants Jesus. Uh, today's title is The Joyful Pursuit of the Prize of Christ. 
The joyful pursuit, joyful, should be a joyful pursuit of the prize of Christ. And we're going to make five observations in this text of Paul's pursuit that I believe are, are very helpful, um, very applicable, like immediately applicable. Uh, as I was studying this week, I mean, I was, I was uh, convicted, right? I was challenged, which, you know, I always want the text to speak to me first before I you know, speak to, uh, to you. But here's the outline. If you're taking notes, write these down. I'm going to go back, I'm going to read through all five of them so you'll have them and then uh, we can take a closer look at each one here in a moment. Uh, the first is an honest pursuit. Paul's pursuit is an honest pursuit. Second is a positional pursuit. This pursuit is positional. Number three is it's a challenging pursuit. It's challenging. Number four, it's an intentional pursuit. It's intentional. And number five, it's a communal pursuit. Let's look at the first observation of Paul's pursuit here. In verse 12, we read, Not that I have already obtained this, He's talking about going back to verses 10 and 11, the knowing Christ, being like Christ. He says, I haven't already attained this. I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. We see here Paul's honest evaluation of his current state. He's honestly evaluating where he is in his walk with Christ. He wants his reader to know that he isn't perfect by any sense of the word, right? I mean, Paul's not like, hey, I, I got it all together. I, I figured this thing out, right? I, I, I've, I've reached this perfection. See, the false teachers of this day were pushing a promise of perfection for those who would follow the Mosaic Law, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, if you remember, Paul himself says in verse 6, he says that he was blameless under the law. So at one point, Paul thought that his works had created this self-righteousness. And he had thought very highly of himself. This is prior to conversion. He had thought very highly of his state of spirituality, kind of a pseudo-spirituality, right? Thought of himself much greater than he was. And look, any, any gospel, gospel that uh, promotes a, hey, you can, you can reach perfection in this life, or, or, or you've, you've got it all together, uh, that's, a, that's a false gospel. There's nowhere in scripture for that, if you know anything about John Newton, John Newton was once a, a slave trader. Uh, he was radically converted and he became a minister and a hymn writer. He actually wrote the song Amazing Grace because he realized how, how just sinful he had been. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I think we're going to sing that in a moment. But he says this. 
this is a really good quote uh, for us to, to kind of take into consideration uh, with this thought. He says, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. He's like, I'm, I'm evaluating here what I am. I'm, I'm not, not quite where I want to be. But he says this, he says, but still I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Brothers and sisters, our pursuit of the prize of Christ, it's got to be an honest pursuit, right? I mean, gotta, God wants us, he calls us to make honest evaluations, self-examination of our lives, examine our hearts, lives, our priorities. We must honestly assess, evaluate the current state in our Christian life. And look, this is going to sound hard, right? But we should never just be okay with where we are. We should never just be, uh, well, well, I'm in the doors of salvation and, you know, I'm cool. I'm, I'm going to sit back and kind of let things happen. I know that sounds discouraging to some, but listen. It's actually a joyful realization when we understand the, the helpfulness of honest self-reflection in the pursuit of sanctification, of, of realizing who I am now, where I want to be. See, our goal, this life, is to sanctify us, right? We're, we're becoming like Christ. We are... We, is the body of Christ, as Christians, as the church, we are the bride of Christ. And we are being prepared for Christ for eternity. We're being sanctified, made new. I mean, Paul had come to understand this so much. I mean, he says this again in verse 13. He says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I mean, let's think about Paul, right? Paul could have really bragged about some of his accomplishments. I mean, he could have polished his trophies, right? Kept them on the shelf. You know, look, look what I've done, right? I, I, I've done so much for the kingdom. You know, I'm going to sit back and, and collect my royalty. It's not Paul's goal here. See, Paul knows that immediate intentions, right? Just because I want something doesn't always equal immediate results. It takes time. And as we pursue the prize of Christ himself, we must be honest with ourselves and others as we press on toward Christ. But this only works it only works if we know where we work from. It only know, works if we know where we work from. And listen, this next observation is crucial. What Paul says next is, I mean, it, this is uh, fundamental in the Christian's life. I think it's one of the most important components of fighting sin 
uh, of making war on sin uh, in, in the pursuit of sanctification. Um, as a, a pastor is just a friend uh, to, to many. That uh, This is one of the conversations I kind of have more than uh, more often than uh, not, just people, you know, struggling with sin. They're trying to figure out, okay, well, well, how do I, you know, I, I just keep, I, I stumble over this sin. It's com, uh, com, um, continually, habitually uh, sinning here. And the first question is, okay, well, let's let's make sure, let's evaluate uh, your salvation. Let's examine your heart. And then second, it's always a, let's, let's look here where you're fighting your sin from, right? How are you making war on your sin? See, Paul's pursuit of Christ is based on his position in Christ. That's key. I call it the positional pursuit, right? Uh, positional just determined by position. Positional pursuit. Look, let's read verse 12 in the whole. Okay? Look at verse 12 with me. He says, not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, right? So we've got this honest evaluation of his current state, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because Christ has made me his own, I now fight. I now pursue <clears throat> sanctification. I pursue Christ's likeness. I pursue the prize that is Christ. If you remember Paul's journey, right? I mean, Paul's on the Damascus Road uh, on the way to persecute Christians, and he's met by Jesus. Paul wasn't out looking for, for God. If you really think back to your own salvation, conversion, you know, where were you at? What were you doing? Paul here says, I am determined. It's a pressing on a determined continuation, which we're going to look at in a moment, because Christ has made me his own. I mean, this is huge. This is big. John says it like this in his epistle in 1 John 4, 10. He says, and love consists in this, not that we love God or that he loved us, but that he loved us, right? But that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He, he says this in 419, right? We love, right? We do because he first loved us. See, our actions as Christians are based on God's actions. We act because God has acted on our behalf. Uh, this verse is further uh, reiteration of Paul's exhortation in chapter 2, right? He says, he calls the believers, he says, work out your own salvation. Remember, we looked at that uh, weeks back. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. <clears throat> Working this out. Here again, we're seeing this beauty of God's sovereignty and salvation working together with human responsibility. We are saved and we act. 
Paul is saying, look, Jesus gave himself for me and made me his. Now, now I am giving myself for him, but it's because I'm already his. It, it's nothing he's not working for. He's not trying to attain salvation. He's saying because of salvation, my position in Christ, now I work. Um, I'm going to give you an illustration. might be helpful. might not. So in the game of basketball, um, you've got tryouts, right? To, to make a team, you have to try out, usually. Um, and so when you try out, right, you do dribble, shoot. You might play some scrimmages. You, you play the game, right? You, you're doing the, the action. You maybe shoot some free throws. You, uh, do some different, uh, you know, defensive drills, whatever you may do. But you're playing the game of basketball. Once you're on the team, guess what? You, you still play the game of basketball when you get in, unless you just ride the bench. That's a, but you, you play the game, right? You're doing the same thing in each one. You're, you're playing the game. You're active. But one, you're doing to try to earn something. You're trying to earn a position. One, you're doing from a place of position. You, you've got this position, so, so now, hey, I'm on a team, I got the jersey, right? Uh, now, there's a hole in the illustration, right? You know, because you do have to earn that spot. But see, guess what? When it comes to salvation, when it comes to Christ, <laughs> there, there, there's nothing that you've done to earn it. There's nothing that you could ever do. There's no work. I say this week after week. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. Tristan just read it earlier. I mean, Romans 5, 8 tells us, right? But God shows his love for us and that we were still sinners. Christ dies for us. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. That Christ dies for you While you're there's no way for you to get your act together. Praise God for that. Saves because of salvation, because of our position. Now we are empowered to work, to press on. He puts us on the team, right? We play because we're on the team. We are included. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared after you did a bunch of good stuff. No, because he prepared them beforehand is what the text tells us. Walk in them. We actively get involved. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, then guess what? He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. Your position is secured. And Paul is saying here that because of his position in Christ, he will now pursue the things of Christ. 
And, and his whole goal is just to know more of Christ. This one who saved him. See, and Paul, his honest evaluation helps him get there. Helps him remember, like, man, I, you know, there's, I mean, plenty of texts, right, where Paul's like, wretched man I am. Uh, he calls himself the, the chief of sinners. You are battling sin. You're struggling in your faith right now. I can almost guarantee, I would prayerfully guarantee that if you can wrap your mind around this concept, this reality, this doctrinal reality, and make war on sin from a position of in Christ, of victory in Christ, that you can pursue. You will overcome. You will see major progress. But look, we know the progress is not easy, right? That's where we get number three. We see that this is a challenging pursuit. It's challenging. Let's read 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. Once again, like I said, he reiterates this thought of, hey, I'm not there yet. But he says, one thing I do. Here's the one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, if anyone ever tells you that the Christian life is just easy peasy, look at them in their face and call them a liar. They're lying to you. That's that prosperity gospel stuff. You don't mess with that stuff, right? Either they're a bold-faced liar, they're just not saved themselves. They don't understand uh, the real root of, of biblical Christianity. I mean, anyone who is truly following Christ, aiming to grow in Christ's likeness, standing on biblical truth, especially in our current cultural climate, man, they're going to tell you, look, it's tough. Things get to obedience is hard, right? We, we know that. Talked about this a little last week, right? I mean, the Christian life isn't just some cakewalk. It just isn't. It's, it's not for the weak. It's for those that are, 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 are in Christ. We find our strength in him. It empowers us. It's tough. We feel the effects of walking through, living in, fallen, broken world. We feel those effects. Uh, remember when Paul and Barnabas, when they <laughs> returned from their first missionary journey in Acts 14, right? So uh, Luke records uh, Paul's, so he's, he's taking a record of everything that's going on. And here's what he records in Acts 14, uh, 22. You can look it up later. Uh, I'm going to read it for you. But they come back. I want you to kind of picture the scene here. This is what... Uh, Luke decides to record, he says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. This is what Paul says, right? He's saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, 
must we enter the kingdom of God? Can you imagine like that kind of being someone's thought and our, our, our words when they return from a trip now? I mean, just joyfully saying like, ha, I got a flat tire. I, I ran out of gas, right? I was beaten. I was stoned. Like it was great. You know, like through many tribulations, Will I reach my destination? I mean, that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, we, we're going to get to the kingdom, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard if we do what the Bible calls us to do. Like I said, we can jellyfish around. We can compromise biblical truth to, to fit in with culture. We can compromise study with Netflix or whatever, social media, scrolling, whatever. I mean, we can compromise and it'll be easy. See, that's not the Bible calls us to do. It's challenging. It's tough. See, Paul doesn't hide anything. That's one thing I love, right? He's just honest. But Jesus was honest too, right? It wasn't some like bait and switch type of idea. He isn't afraid to tell us the worst up front. He isn't afraid to say, like, look, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. It's worth it. That's Paul's point. Paul uses two terms here in this text. He, he uses this word straining. I mean, straining forward. The original Greek would be draws from the, the imagery of a race in which a runner strains forward to the finish line. He's using this athletic term here. Uh, if you've ever been in a race, um, there's something about when someone's in front of you, right? You, know, you, you, you want to you get to them. You want to you strain. If, if, if you're close to the finish line at the, the same time, you know, you, you might reach over. You see runners, sometimes they'll dive. They'll do whatever it takes. And that's Paul's illustration here. He says, I'm straining. I'm leaning forward. I'm pushing on. I want this. We've got to take an honest evaluation, brothers and sisters. I'm casually coasting through life. Are we casually just letting things happen while we sit back and, well, you know, just gonna, I need to relax. I need to chill. This word press on, it's the same word that Paul used earlier to describe his persecution of the church in uh, verse 6 of chapter 3. See, what this tells us that Paul's old mindset was a single minded pursuit of persecuting the church. He's saying, hey, I had one thing on my mind then. Now my conversion has brought up a new switch, right? I have been converted. I have changed. That pursuit now is to attain Christ, the resurrection that is in Christ. More of Christ uses the same word here. I mean, he's like, zeal is in me, right? 
Like I was created with that passion, with that zeal. And, and when I was an unconverted rebel, I used to use it for bad. But, but man, now I use it for good. Think about your own life. Now, what are some of the things maybe that, that you, you've done, that you've pursued, that you've uh, you've been gifted in different areas and, and maybe you've used them in negative ways. It doesn't have to be restored. It says, I forget what lies behind. I forget what's in the past. He says, I focus on what is ahead. Paul is not challenged by his tainted past or his past achievements. He's not clouded. His vision is not clouded by everything that happened to him. Good, poor, bad. He says, I forget those things. He says, I'm on to the next day, the next mission, the journey. I mean, that in, in, in and of itself is challenging for us all, right? I mean, I know that we all have past of sins and mistakes. I mean, I'm, I'm just, just covered in them, right? And things that I just wish that I wouldn't have ever, ever done. And, and wonder, like, how, how could that have been me? But if I stay there and I, I linger in that, man, that'll lead to, to despair. It leads to discouragement. And we honestly evaluate, but that should compel us to praise the Savior who pulled us out. Dark to light. I mean, I can imagine Paul fighting the same battle, right? Tormented by his past. He says, I don't look there. I mean, we all know, right? Like, if you, you leave this parking lot, take off driving to your uh, lunch or homestead, wherever you're going, and, and you just like look the rear view mirror the whole time, like you have some problems. If you drive looking backwards, if you, it, you just go have some problems. It's the same thing in our walk with the Lord. It's honestly evaluate, and let's press on towards, forward, like using our past to propel us to evangelism, <clears throat> compel us to, to share our stories and struggles with others, but to share the victory that's in Christ Jesus and how he's converted us, made us new. I mean, that is, this is true conversion. Paul says, oh, let those things weigh me down. Forget about the past. Forget all the bad things that may have happened to me. I, I, I forget about my past accomplishments. Hey, they're great, but you know what? <laughs> Move on. There's, there's more to do here. We also see this, our fourth um, observation in, in this portion in verses 13 to 14. 
Uh, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We see Paul's here, his intentionality. It's our fourth observation. It's an intentional pursuit. It's intentional. He uses three words here, right? He uses forward, toward, upward. It's an intentional pursuit. Notice he doesn't say downward on the couch. Can, I just want you to imagine like the Apostle Paul, right, living in our uh, current climate, our, our culture. Do you think he would be scrolling through uh, mindless uh, social media posts? Now, use social media for good. There's some uh, brothers and sisters in here right now uh, that do that. And man, praise God for that. But like, you know, no, you won't need to figure out like what spiritual vegetable you are, like what, what uh, Disney character you might be. You know, like that stuff is point. Like, what is the point? Little quizzes and like, stop with all that. You know, I'm not saying you can't, he, he, well, he doesn't say here, you know, like, I'm just going to like veg out and binge watch my favorite show. I mean, you see Paul like doing that? Like, he just, I'm just going to sit back and chill and just, you know. Paul's not saying that that's what he does. I, I, I don't see that. Now, it's fine times of rest. But brothers, just let me encourage you, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. I'm not saying you can't watch TV, but I tell you, if we can compare our time with the Lord, with our time with the, our, our favorite characters of our favorite show, man, we would probably be highly disappointed, right? I mean, which one has more of your time? What has the most of your time? Or maybe you like to read, you like to read like novels and, uh, you know, like whatever it is, what is consuming you? Paul Washer says this, he says, the gospel does not call us to receive Christ as an addition to our life. Right? It's not just an additive to our whatever our, our, our life is. It says, but as our life. It's not just an addition. It's not just something extra that we, we, we put on, we, we get. No, we're in Christ. Positionally and functionally. And look, we've got to be intentional here, right? We have to set goals. We have to make changes. We have to make adjustments to achieve the goals that we want, right? I think we all know that. We have to be intentional, set forth the things that we want. I was just talking to someone one time uh, recently uh, about, uh, they were talking about like spiritual disciplines. Like, you know, they're just like so hard. I'm like, yeah, they're called spiritual disciplines. Called disciplines for a reason, right? We have to discipline ourselves to do these things. They take discipline. Look, hey, I'm not standing on any or sitting on a high horse here. Look, I struggle too. And look, when I'm struggling in my spiritual disciplines, look, it pours over into all the rest of my life. I'm more impatient with my family. I'm more prideful more self-absorbed. There's just things that I deal with. 
when I'm lacking in my time with my Savior, my time in prayer, when I'm not being intentional with my schedule, when I let other things take priority, it affects my life. I mean, it, it truly affects my life. And I would, uh, would guess that it affects yours too. I need intentionality. I need to be intentional with my schedule. I need to be intentional with the way I spend my time. It must be intentional. My wife and I, we, we sit down, we try to, right? Uh, we sit down every Sunday night. We, we like look at the week ahead. Just like, hey, what's coming up? What's abnormal maybe in this week? Like, what do we have, you know, coming up? Uh, that, that, you know, how are we going to make adjustments? And there's some certain things that we have that we're like, we're not going to compromise on. You know, there's two things for us that we just always want to do. Uh, when are we going to do these two things? And we're going we're to put them in there. There are priorities, right? And they're centered around uh, God's word. But we have to be intentional with that. I have to be intentional with a, a calendar. Right, I, I plan my calendar because, look, I'll be honest, I waste my days. I mean, I waste my time. I, I waste my time doing other things. We've got to be intentional in our goals. Finally, we see our fifth observation. We see this is a, it's a communal pursuit. This is a communal pursuit. He says in verses 15 and 16, it says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, then God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So already, right, in this letter, Paul has used his co-workers. He used that in chapter 2, 19 through 30. Uh, he talked about um, uh, uh, Tim Timothy and uh, Epaphroditus. Uh, he talks about himself here. He talks about uh, what he, as an example, and then he uses Christ as the preeminent example in 2, 5 through 11, right? The Christ him. He says, this is who you should aim to be. And he says that there are some in this text who are mature and will think that the pursuit of Christ should consume every thought. There, there are some that are mature, that will think that way, that will agree here. There are some that don't. There's going to be some that, that don't, they don't agree, right? They are, are, are maybe they're not mature enough to, to make the changes that need to be made in order to attain what Paul is talking about here. Paul, I mean, he, he continually, right? Paul, in all of his letters, he consistently points to the fact that the Christian life is not a solo sport. It's not a solo sport. But he says here that, that those that get it, so brothers and sisters, let's be an encouragement to you, right? Those that are mature, he says those that get it, he said, live a life worth imitating. Right, live that life that's worth imitating and surround yourself with people that need to know, need to, to grow, to, to be more like Christ. Live a life that's worth imitating. And, and then Paul's kind of, I mean, his, his conviction here is just that Paul's going to use 
that to show those who aren't mature to grow. He, he said, God will reveal it to you. God will reveal, they'll push them toward maturity and growth in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need each other. We need church. We need the spiritual, God's design, His spiritual design for the family. That's what the church is, right? The redemptive family of God. And we get to do this life together, encourage one another, we get to see others who are farther along than we are, which is okay. We get to help those who aren't quite where we are. We get this familial, this communal design, and the pursuit is something that we do together. So I'm going to ask a just kind of pointed question. Uh, what needs to change in your life this week? Like, what needs to change, right? This is wrestled with this last week myself. What needs to change in your life, maybe today, this afternoon, right? What needs to change in your life? Remember here, right? Paul is telling us here that he has consciously decided to pursue Christ. It's not just like a feeling he got one day. It's not just something that just like happens. He's like, I've thought about this, I've considered it, and, and this is what I want to do. He makes mention of the ways he used to do sinful things. He says, my passion and zeal persecuting the church, now directed toward godly things. He changes his pursuit. So, brothers and sisters, what needs to change in your life this week? Work back through these five observations real quick and uh, maybe just talk about just a couple as we close. It'll take a couple minutes of just the, uh, of what could be competing with that, right? So one, if there's an honest pursuit, this is something that we see Paul do. Uh, what is it in your life? What is it in my life? Uh, maybe it could be making dishonest evaluations uh, of, of your sin. It could be just, you know, letting, uh, well, you know, yeah, do that or maybe for some, it's an overconfidence in your own ability. If you're like, you know, I, I got this, I'll, I'll figure this thing out. You're just comfortable with where you are. Second one, the positional pursuit. Maybe you know what positional pursuit would be. It's finding our identity in Christ, working from that position. Maybe. You could, the, the, what contradicts that would be uh, those who would be a works-based pursuit, right? Trying to work their way into salvation, thinking that their good works will, will attain for and make up for, for anything that maybe they've done wrong. Are you basing your salvation, you're basing your deeds on your good works. Uh, the other one with challenging pursuit. We see Paul, right? We saw Paul was, you know, it's a challenging pursuit. Are you one that maybe takes the easy road? You don't like to, to, to brush up on hard situations? Are you taking the path of less resistance every time that it's available to you? 
If there's a fork in the road, you're going easy, right? Where's the easy button? See the intentional pursuit? It's an intentional. Just looked at that. It's intentional. We, we set goals. We look at them. We're intentional with our time. Or maybe, maybe you're lethargic, right? Maybe you're lazy. You're passive, just, just letting things happen with, without planning, just trying to catch up with the, the madness. Of, and and then we'll, uh, you know, the, the first thing that you skip is your, your time with the Lord. Once our pastors say, like, look, your time with the Lord should be like eating your meals, right? Skip a meal. You, you can afford to skip a meal. You cannot afford to skip time with your Lord and Savior daily. Maybe it's a, a communal pursuit. So Paul's idea here that it's something, right? People are going to see us. Have you been just trying to like live the Christian life on your own, right? In a silo. It's like, you know, I, I got this. I'm going to take care of things. You know, this, this is me and Jesus. The Bible calls us to, to live in community. We're not to be opposed to accountability. Not to be in opposition of accountability. We need each other. We need to grow. You know, one of the most loving things someone can do is call you out on habitual sin in a loving way. It's one of the most loving things. If I, if I, I see you or your, your, your kids like about to be hit by a car. Like, man, I'm going to push, I'm going to yell, I'm going to scream, I'm going to push you out of the way. I'm going to run. Accountability is a loving thing. On your own, without sharing experiences with those that you, you worship with, those that are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a communal pursuit of our Lord. And by God's grace, for his glory, he will help us to reach the end. Amen. So let's take just a couple of moments of Prayer, self-reflection, as you kind of think through what needs to change in your life this week, I'll pray and we will close with a song.